Welcome to Breaking Free. I'm Rania Kurdi, a transformational life coach, comedian, and mother of two. And you can join me weekly to hear some intimate self-reflections and conversations with inspirational friends and guests from all around the world, sharing what they needed to break free from in order to live a life of purpose. So I'm here today with Alison Swerdloff, and she's a self-care and self-discovery consultant who works with entrepreneurial women, helping them create a working balance to more effectively grow their business and have more time for themselves. Hi, Alison. Thanks for being here today. Hello, Rania. Thank you so much for having me. So, Alison, um, just to like get to know you a little bit better, I'd like to ask you just some fun questions before we get into your story. Of course. Um, What book has most inspired you that you would recommend to listeners today? Oh, there are so many. Um, I am a big, big proponent of personal development, and I've read so many different books over the years. But one that really stuck and that I've read multiple times and listened to on Audible multiple times, I would say, is The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because... Everything he talks about in there are things people know, but don't follow through on. And he gives steps to actually put them in place. And actually, a little side note, because of reading the book, I actually joined his Train the Trainer program and became a certified trainer of the success principles a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. And how has that changed your life? Oh, it has made me more aware of things in my life, showed me that I am 100% responsible for my life and everything that happens. Even, you know, even things you don't think of, it's not that you're responsible for it happening, but your responsibility is that you've allowed it to continue. Hmm. And that has changed my thought process. And that's a big part that led me to where I am today. Yeah, I think it's really important for us to realize that we have choice because Mm -hmm. so often we think, oh, well, you know, I have no choice. And we just continue doing that thing over and over that's harming us. Exactly. We always have a choice. And we don't realize it. And one of the first, so that is the first success principle is taking 100% responsibility. And along with that is his theory of E plus R equals O, which is an event plus plus your response to the event equals your outcome. Mm. So if you reframe even past responses, it shifts your view and shifts your outcome. And people don't realize that you can reframe your mindset and your thought process even to something as extreme as abuse. And by pulling yourself back from the scared victim, you can actually empower yourself to overcome Mm. it. Yeah, because so often we react. And I loved something I heard once that if if you're hysterical, it's historical. So usually you're reacting to all your past stuff rather than the actual moment. So if you can step away and see it as the actual moment, your response would be very different to it rather than reactive. You would be able to make a decision. Exactly. And even in an everyday occurrence, yes, you might respond as a reaction, but step back and review the situation even a day or two or a week later and you can realize 
well, maybe I shouldn't have reacted that way. Let me contact the person or the, you know, talk to my spouse and apologize because I overreacted to the situation. Mm. Yeah. But that is sometimes a little too little too late. And everybody, we all react. We all get defensive and we all react. But being able to reframe it even in your own mind helps you overcome the issues that might have led to that reaction in the first place. Definitely. And then it goes back to step one, taking the responsibility. Exactly. Yeah, and I love that. That's the core. I mean, there's 67 um, everyday things in there that we just mm. don't realize how important they are. And by putting them all into play in your own life changes everything. Yeah. Well, how about your favorite movie and why? Why is it your favorite movie? Oh, wow. Um, so many. Recent years or past year or older movies? Or doesn't it matter? Oh, give us two if you've got two. Okay. I'm... <laughs> This is a t my old for older ones. It's a toss up. Um, Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. Okay, classics. <laughs> well, if you think about it, they both broke so many barriers of their time. Mm. Wizard yeah. of Oz was the first one that had color in it mm -hmm. because yes, it was black and white in Kansas, but once you hit once you hit Oz, it was all bright, vivid color. And it was one of the first color movies of its time. And it was fanciful. So, yes, L. Frank Baum had written it many years earlier, but it was still a very fanciful story. And to have that put to film was amazing. So I just, the acting, what they, you know, everything that was brought up in it, was to me, and I've read all of his books, and I'm going to say, I think there's about eight of them. Oh, as a kid, I read all of the books purposely <laughs> because I fell in love with that world. So how old were you when you first saw The Wizard of Oz? Probably, I don't even remember anymore. Um, I was under 10, so probably about six. Yeah, so it would have impacted you. Definitely. And as I said, I've read every single one of the Baum books. So I, yeah. you know, even the ones that people have never heard of before, like the Patchwork Girl of Oz. As a kid, I read all of those because I'm an avid reader. Gone with the Wind for me, and I'm going to tell you, I did see it at the, I think it was the 50th, 50th anniversary? Because that was in the 40s. Yeah, probably the 50th anniversary at, um, not Madison Square Garden, at Radio City Music Hall in the city. Mm -hmm. It had they had done a rebroadcast of it, and it was a special performance at Radio City. I saw it with my husband at the time, and it was stunning to see it on the big screen after only seeing it on TV for most of my life. For sure, yeah. It showed resilience and strength, even though I didn't understand that at the time. Um, it was. It showed the time period of the Civil War in a way that we didn't really learn it in textbooks. We learned what it was. We didn't really learn about the individual issues with it, the individual, um, the people who lived at that time, especially from the Southern perspective. I grew up in Massachusetts and New York. We studied, 
we learned more about it historically, but from a northern perspective. Right. Mm. Gone with the Wind was very much a southern perspective. And it was very fun. It was enjoyable, even during the war scenes. It was interesting to see, though, how a lot of it had to do with personalities and experiences of rich entitlement, Southern Mm. entitlement, but it was also growth because at the end you could see even in the most shallow of personalities, there was, there was strength, there was growth. Yeah. And a more recent movie? I've enjoyed the Kingsman movies. Mm. Growing up with 007, you know, with the James Bond movies, Uh Kingsman came from a similar place but a different perspective because it was a younger perspective. Yeah. Because, you know, with the main character, somebody who knew nothing about what he was going into Mm. and what he became. And, you know, having children of similar ages, you know, because when he went in, when the the main character first started, he was like fresh out of high school or early college or something when he first came into all of it. And... Seeing it as a parent, you know, with children, you know, with people of similar ages, because my daughter was a, probably around the same age as the main character. And just seeing it through eyes who has watched almost every James, at least all the early James Bond movies and, you know, the spy movies of the 70s and 80s mm. and into the 90s, looking at it from a new, more 20th cent, 20 and 21st century perspective was very different and enjoyable and it was fun, but it, the storylines were not campy. were not, you know, they followed a good storyline, which I really enjoyed. And I just thought they were well done. Yeah. So I can see from the books that you like reading and the films that you enjoy watching, there's always something in there that has growth and seeing things from a different perspective. And um, that's why I wanted to talk to you today really about, you know, my podcast breaking free. Um, is about what everybody goes through in in different walks of life where they have challenges or constraints that they break free from and are able to change their life when they do you know do that and I'd love to hear your story for you to share with the listeners I will preface it by saying I have a fit technically been married over 30 years I'm still married, but I'm separated. Um, I married young. We were talking about this before the interview started, but I married at 22. Fell into the routine of whatever my husband said. I mean, yes, I fought back a little bit, but he said I was still in college and we couldn't, you know, I needed to go to work full time. So I didn't go to grad school. I earned my degree, but never followed through with it to go further. Um, I needed to work because we needed the income. Part-time wasn't cutting it. Um, So I went to work full-time. And my job was a very intense job early on. It took a lot out of me. It took many hours. So I don't, and we didn't have online school that you could just, you know, back in the early 90s, online education didn't exist. So you had to go to school. So I couldn't leave work to go to school because sometimes I'd be working and 
till seven, eight o'clock at night. I was the executive secretary to the general manager of a hotel in New York City for the first three and a half years of my corporate career. I loved the industry, but I, in that particular position, I was not able to grow because after he had left, another manager came in. And when I was applying for different mm. positions, I was told, oh, we only see you as a secretary, which is why you're not getting that position. Whereas from him, I was his personal assistant and he was teaching me all aspects of the hotel to move me into a more managerial position. But the other man, you know, when he left and a whole yeah. new management came in, they only saw me as a secretary. And I lost the prestige. And it's not that I lost the prestige, but, you know, the general manager, I was no longer mm-hmm. a private. I could no longer do anything confidential for her. I was just a secretary. When I applied within the hotel for other positions, I was turned down because I wasn't qualified. I was a secretary. Didn't matter that I had been in the hotel already for two years or three years, and I already knew the hotel inside and out. But that didn't matter. So I went to another company. But it was just... One of those situations that, and this went on for years, and then six and a half years later, into the six and a half years into the marriage, I had my first child, and then I stopped working in in New York City, and that's when things shifted more so because I was living in the suburbs. I was mom, I was wife, I was involved in my kids' educations, I was PTA, I was involved. I was what I always was trained. You are an act. You are a mother. You do everything. Yeah, you became super mom. Super mom. Yeah. My identity was around my family, was around my children. Mm -hmm. I lost me in that process. And I realized Mm. after losing my father in December of 2008, my grandmother in December of 2009, and my mother in December of 2010, that I didn't know who I was anymore. As I said, I was a mom to two kids. I dealt with, I was their advocate in school with health issues. Um, I was on the board. I did, I was active, but I lost me because I did, he controlled a lot of what went on in my life. Like I couldn't even go out for dinner with friends without his permission because Mm -hmm. we needed a babysitter and he didn't want to pay for a babysitter. Things like that. So... And I think as women, we we identify as carers mm -hmm. so much that we can easily fall into forgetting about ourselves and sacrificing all the time. And then we sort of wake up one day and don't know who we are or what we want anymore. That's it. And then no one, yeah, no one accepts that we then want to do something for ourselves. And Mm. this was in 2011. Um, I started realizing I lost me. I didn't know who I was anymore because everything was all about everybody else. And I also realized my mother would have wanted me to be happy. And at that Mm -hmm. point I wasn't happy. And I had had people for years saying he's controlling, you need to get out, you need to live your life, but I didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So I sat down with him and said, I need to find out who I am. I need time. I don't know who I am anymore. So I started looking for social groups. I started joining this group and that group and, you know, looking for where I fit in. After a while, I found where I fit in. I found a group of friends who knew me as me, 
not as mom, not as anything related to school, not as a wife. They got to know the, they got to know me. And through that group, I realized I needed to take care of myself. I needed to do whatever it was to make me happy and follow my dreams. And I had lost my dreams and my goals. Well, how did you find this group, Alison? Because, you know, that's the (laughs) hardest thing is to find your tribe, you know, especially when you've lost yourself. You're kind of like, well, who do I hang out with? How do I hang out with them? Where do I find them? I actually started on meetup, meetup meetup.com. I, I always advise Meetup. Yeah, I brilliant. joined read book groups because I'm an avid reader. Mm-hmm. I joined yeah. crafting groups because I'm a crafter. I do a variety of crafts. I went out. I joined a um, wine and she, or wine night group. You know, so I started getting involved and then found a social group of people. And I also did a ton of research. I started reading more books. I started finding out what my core dreams were. And I went back to some of my dreams previously. Where do I want to be? And I also looked at the genre of novels that I read. And I joined book groups. And I'm still part of a couple of them. But book groups dealing with my fantasy books. Because I love fantasy. I love escapism. Anything dealing with magic and strange worlds and shapeshifters. That's my... That's my, that's where I lose myself. Are you a Harry Potter fan? Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I have read all of the books multiple times. I'm not, that's why mm-hmm. I was saying the movies are not so great, but I love the books. Oh, yeah, and I've watched yeah. all the movies a million times. I own them all. Mm-hmm. But so I found groups relating to that. The group that I also realized a bunch of different things in some other aspects of my reading. And I found, I started doing research on it and I found groups that fit in with that. And it wasn't just about reading. It was about enjoying aspects of life that I would have never realized were available to me. And yeah, it opened I, up a different world meeting different people. And I also got involved with personal development groups. Mm-hmm. And started going to seminars and started a business um, that failed a number of years ago for virtu- as a virtual assistant. Because I'm like, what am I going to do to earn money? Because I had lost my job at that point, was busy with the kids, was trying mm-hmm. to figure out who I was. So I started a business, a pers- um, virtual assistant business, because I've been an administrative assistant for umpteen number of years. Yeah. And it didn't work out. I didn't know what I was doing. I was in the wrong business at the wrong time. Because I had no clue how to run a business. Yeah. So the personal development continued. I went to personal development groups. I went to all sorts of organizations. Through my social life in the other group that I met, I actually met my current boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Um, We had known each other for three years before realizing there was a connection. Now, at this point, I was already separated, living on my own. Still very involved in my children's lives. Um, I actually became, during all of this, I became a mother to a child with chronic illness. Mm -hmm. He is my warrior and has been through a number of issues and health issues and surgeries and hospital stays. So that controlled my life. So when I was getting involved with my now boyfriend, one of the things that really mattered was I needed to be available to my children. 
I needed to be there if anything happened. My children were, we were a package deal. And not everybody wants that. Yeah. When they get in a relationship. He's accepted them. I'm not asking him to be a father figure. If anything, be a friend. That's it. Not asking, you know, but, and they all get along. So it helps. Yeah. Uh, he even gets along with my ex, with my husband. They know each other and they've been, we've done things together. Fantastic. And now your kids are mid-20s, aren't they? I have, my daughter is 25 and just starting her professional life as a teacher, an mm-hmm. elementary school special ed teacher. My son is 20 and thank goodness his health issues have have under control. He's had multiple surgeries. He's healthier than he's been in years. He's in college. Right now studying biology in community college. In a couple of years, he'll go off to full-time, you know, to... Amazing. A four-year college for his bachelor's. But his health issues have actually given him a guidance in life. He now knows what he wants to study, mm. which he wasn't sure before. Yeah. But with his health, he is now ready to go on to become a pediatric gastroenterologist or physician's assistant in pediatric gastroenterology. Amazing. And this is a kid who didn't know whether he was coming or going. (laughs) Yeah, for you, it was a really brave step to just decide to do things on your own and to take care of your kids on your own and follow your dreams. And um, I'm guessing it was worth it for, you know, what you're doing now and where you are now. So tell us how that developed. I mean, they still live, they live with their father, Mm -hmm. but I always stayed close so I could be around. I mean, yeah. they were still young. They still needed me. I couldn't just disappear. I couldn't, I had to wait. I mean, with his health and everything. And also he was still in school. They were both still in school when we separated. Um, and I was around when my daughter was in college and she actually went to school near my boyfriend. So I would spend a weekend with him and see her mm. or start seeing her and then see him, you know? So we we worked it out, but they're now, as I said, they're in their 20s. I, and they have a life. They have their own lives. Yeah. Even with COVID and, you know, now that New York is opening up a little bit, they have their lives. Yeah. And how did you get to the stage where you started helping other women to have that self-care and to have, yes. you know, that attention to themselves? I realized I was not alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you all start saying, oh, nobody else has gone through this. I'm doing this all myself. There's nothing else I can do. You know, you deal with it. But through my going to the seminars, through my courses that I've taken, through I've realized we as women, we are the caregivers. We are the ones who do everything. And but I also realized we can't really give the best to everybody else if we're not doing the best for ourselves. If we have an empty cup, we cannot help everybody. Yeah. And we're always, which is why we're the ones who get sick the hardest because we're going and going and going for everybody else. If only we if were we, told that when we were younger, instead of being told that it was selfish to not give, it. give, give, you know, we had the wrong message, didn't we? Self-care is selfish. Yeah. You take time for you. You're not giving to everybody else. But my my thing to everybody else, self-care is not selfish. 
You don't have to go, go, go. You don't have to run, run, run. You can be successful. You can be a successful entrepreneur, yet have a work-life balance. Your work doesn't have to be your entire life. Mm. Your work, your family, yes, you give to all of them. You don't have, you can say no to something that doesn't excite you. You don't have to do everything everybody asks. And it's taken me a long time to do that. I'm still struggling with it, I will admit it. Yeah. I'm not perfect. For me, it was about learning to say no by knowing what a burning yes that I had. You know, when you don't have the burning yes, you've put yourself aside, you're available to everybody. So there Mm -hmm. is no no. And when you start putting your dreams and your goals in place and you need that time to work towards them, then that burning yes helps you to start saying those no's. And that really helped me. Exactly. And it's not saying no. It's and this is somebody said this and this is something that stuck with me. It's learning to Mm -hmm. say yes to myself. My saying no to somebody else. Yes to yourself. Is saying yes to me because if I'm saying yes to them when they're asking me to do something that doesn't excite me or Mm -hmm. that to me doesn't move my journey forward. I'm saying no to myself. I would rather say no to that thing or that project or that trip that benefits somebody else, but not me, because then I'm saying yes to me. So what does life look like for you now, Alison, now that you've started saying yes to yourself? Well, over the new year, well, during the pandemic, my boyfriend and I learned we could live together. Uh Because when New York was quarantined, we actually lived together in my two-bedroom apartment in Baldwin, New York for 14 weeks. It was the first time we had spent more than a week together. And that was when we were traveling to New Zealand in 2019. And if Uh, you survived that, you decided you can move in. I think COVID... Yeah, I think COVID made everyone realize, can we live together or can we not? So many people cannot. We learned we could. After mm. six years of living, of seeing each other, of being weekend partners. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after a few other things happened and fell into place, we decided to move out of the area, something we had been talking about for a while. It wasn't a brand new thing. And over the new year, we moved in. And maybe it sounds easy to like change your life around and do these things, but I'm sure you've had points where maybe you wanted to give up or it was just too much of a challenge. And I think it's good to share that, to know the reality of what is it that makes you push through when things just seem tough and it's easier to go back to how life was, but it makes it worth it in the end that you do push through. What is it that's, what is that moment or that that incentive or that strength that helps you just push past it and and break free. Free of the old lifestyle, aren't you? Of giving yourself to only others and um, letting go of your dreams. That that is a lifestyle that you had sort of signed up for and then um, switched it around. So you are following your, your dreams, your purpose living your truth, exploring new things, discovering new things and challenging yourself. I think that's the most exciting part when we're willing to challenge ourselves to fail. I mean, if we don't fail, we can never succeed. 
And um, it's really important oh. for listeners to know how many failures there are before the successes, because it's very easy for us to look at other people's success and just think, oh, well, you know, they were born successful. And nobody is born successful, as I like to say. And I've heard this from so many of the um, quote unquote gurus I follow. Some of it's luck being in the right place at the right time, having the right message. It's also a lot of hard work. I mean, when I got my trainings, when I earned my certifications as a certified life coach, as well as a Canfield trainer, I was still, I was working full time. I came home at, and I, like I said, I would commute to work two hours a day. I would come home at six o'clock, have dinner and, or actually 637, make dinner and then sit down for an hour or two every night. My son was in and out of the hospital for several weeks. I would bring my stuff with me and be doing my coursework while I was sitting in his hospital room. And when the nurses came in, would unplug my headphones to answer their questions and hear what's going on. Mm. And I did this on weekends as well when he was spent weeks in the hospital. So it's not easy. Mm. It's you but you have to figure out what your priorities are and what your goals are. And my passing those trainings were my goals. And I actually did them one right after the other. Yeah. And did you believe so, very strongly that there was something better for you? I knew there was. It was a matter of putting myself out there to the point but of doing it. But I also fell back into the routine mm. of working and letting work control my life. Yeah. That even after my certifications, I will admit I haven't done as much. Hmm. It took the support of my boyfriend and finding a supportive partner of some kind, whether it be romantic partner or friend or accountability partner, that's huge. He is supportive in, of me and my business. Hmm. He might not understand everything I talk about, but he said, if it makes you happy, if this is what's going to make you the get to where you want to be, do it. Yeah. And by having him in my life, it has helped me tremendously. And Alison, you said that your mom would have want you to be happy. What do you think she would think today? That I'm finally in the place that I should be. Mm. I'm with a supportive partner. I'm out of the verbally abusive marriage um, that I, I'm where I need to be now, that this is my time. Yeah. And I know she's looking down and saying that. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And did, did she live her life that way? Or was she also making sacrifices? She made a lot of sacrifices because when I was 11, uh, my parents separated due to issues that I didn't know about at the time. Um, my father had some mental health issues and my mother was just done with it. And I was 11. What did I know? <laughs> uh, they divorced officially when I was 12 and we moved back to New York to be near my grandparents. Cause my mother's like, I have two teenage girls. I can't do it alone. And, but she still made a life for us. She worked, she traveled, she enjoyed her life. After a number of years, she moved out to Las Vegas. 
Mm. and um, started a life out there that she enjoyed. And it was one of those things that, was it the best thing at the beginning? Yes, it moved into not necessarily so great things, but it was her choice. Yeah. And she lived in a way that she felt was right at the time. So in a way, you did have a role model in your mom that she was a woman who saw that something wasn't working for her. She put her boundaries in place and thought, no, you know, I can't do this or I'm not going to do this or put my children through this difficulty um, and worked and, you know, went after her dreams and what she wanted in life. So I think that's really important because when we see our mothers sacrifice themselves for others all the time and never put themselves first, it's hard for us to know that that is a possibility and that is something that we can do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure, yeah, you know, seeing her made you question your marriage and, and where you were and whether it was something you wanted to continue with. And I know she had issues with certain aspects of my marriage Mm. because she would discuss it with me. She's like, you know, I had people asking me during parts of my marriage, are you okay? They would hear things coming out of his mouth Mm. and would question, why are you still with him? And after my separation, I had people who had known me throughout my marriage say, you shine brighter now. Mm. You seem much happier. I see you in a better place. And these were people who I knew for years Mm. were saying that to me. Well, it's like, you know, a child being bullied at school. You're being bullied at home. It's going to dim your light, isn't it? And I just didn't realize it. Mm. You know, I didn't necessarily realize it. And even if I realized it, what choice did I have I wanted to stay together for the kids yeah and I think that's a big mistake as well yeah as women we kind of think well stick it out for the kids but it's a bad example for the kids to see that we're willing to be um, mistreated and and for them to see that we're not happy makes the child feel very responsible and have to grow up faster and sort of parent the parent And so there's a lot of complications as well by just sticking it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what's healthier is for them to see, you know, you making choices, you putting yourself first, of course, caring for them, but taking care Mm -hmm. of your needs. So um, I'm just really, really happy for you, Alison. It's wonderful that you are shining right now and that you can inspire (laughs) other women to do that as well with your story, with your podcast and with your work supporting other women to take care of themselves as well and put themselves first. Thank you. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to tell my story on your show. This has been wonderful. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Breaking Free, please share it with your friends or on your social media platforms. And of course, I'd really love it if you can subscribe, rate or review the show. You can reach me directly at raniacurdy.com if you would like to ask a question, comment on what you heard today or find out how I can support you on your journey.